0: Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost and Criterion. I'm John Patrick Owatari Dorgan, and with that me, as always, is a man who would like to show you his European vacation photos, if you
1: don't <laughs> mind. I am the Adam Glass, and if there if I if I could get uh Toru Takamotsu to score my European vacation uh slideshow I
0: still wouldn't watch it. Nobody I still would. <laughs> probably
1: not. I still feel bad showing it to people. It's true. I
0: I, I know this is what we're going to talk about for the entire episode, (laughs) but Criterion literally just made us watch a person's vacation slideshow. Yeah. For 90 minutes. Well, 72 or whatever it was. It wasn't that long, but.
1: Pat, before we get into the movie, I want to talk about our Patreon, patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. Over there for a dollar a month, you get access to a bonus episode. You get to vote on what that bonus episode is going to be. Uh, we put together You've got a list- your
0: Kazams. You've got your Kazams, and you've also got your other Kazams.
1: Pat makes a very valid point. Every month, I put together a list, usually themed, and... Uh, but the fifth item on the list is always Kazam the 1996 children's movie starring Shaquille O'Neal as a genie who turns a bad guy into a basketball and slam dunks that basketball it's amazing i
0: i would like to argue that while each each month has a theme the meta theme of the
1: entire project is Kazam doesn't get watched enough <laughs> right right please make us watch Kazam more um like I said, a dollar a month patreon.com/lostincriterion if you want to get in on that. We do have a couple higher tiers. We got the $5 tier which is which is all about thanking the people who give us $5. You get obviously the access to the bonus episode, but you also get thanked on air. Unfortunately, we don't have any $5 supporters right now. But we don't because a lot of them, the $5 we had over the summer have bumped up to $10, and we greatly appreciate that. We also like to thank those people yes, uh, of on course. air. So thank you to Charlie Mueller, our most recent $10 supporter. Thank you to uh, Adam Speakerman and Michael McGrath and Jason Westaver who are fairly long-term supporters. Uh, Jonathan Hate, Patrick Yoko, and Christopher Otto, all more recent as well. Though Christopher Otto, uh, he's, he's over six months at this point. Yeah, um, I mean, recent is a very relative <laughs> yeah. term for us specifically. It's like,
0: right. ah, this person's only been a Patreon for... <laughs> Two and a half years. Well, I mean, I guess at
1: this point they're not recent anymore. (laughs) Indeed, indeed. But that $10 thing, we also do something special. Not only do you get thanked on air like we already done, but you get a piece of physical mail. Uh, Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we've watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard, and I write a little thank you, personal note to you, and mail that off. So if you like bespoke art, Uh, If you want to know what it looks like when Pat kind of loses it during his lunch break. (laughs) Pat's art is 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 often. No, it's always comprehensible. I will say that. Uh, Yeah, I I try to be. Well, I mean, there is always the Godzilla one. The Godzilla one has the exception
0: that makes the rule. (laughs)
1: I I firmly believe that you knew what was going on with the Godzilla oh, one. Even I absolutely even though knew what was going on. I absolutely do not know what was going on I with the Godzilla one. I was excising a demon from my, <laughs> my heart
0: and making you all... I was, I was ringing you guys, essentially. Now you have to deal with it.
1: <laughs> it's not my problem anymore. Uh, well, if you ever want to... If you ever want to, want to get, get ringed to get by ringed. Pat, is that is that a thing I'm allowed to say? Uh, I don't know. Uh, it could mean something I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, $10 and above for that. And thank you so much to those supporters. Again, that is patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. Yes, and thank you for your support. Thank you so much for your support. So this week we are talking about a, uh, a pretty interesting movie. Uh I, I feel like there was some really like interesting is doing a lot of heavy lifting in it, this phrase. It is. Like it, it was is.
0: interesting. I I mean, technically
1: speaking, it was interesting. <laughs> uh a movie that perked my interests, uh, but maybe in a way that is impossible to talk about and not be boring. Uh <laughs> we are talking wow. about Antonio Gotti, the nineteen eighty-four documentary. By Hiroshi Teshigahara. Uh, we last saw Teshigahara's work in a box set of three films he made through the 60s uh, that we were very interested in, yeah. uh, particularly uh, Woman of the Dunes. Um, as part of that, we also did some short films that were included on those DVDs, uh, most of which were documentary um so we are familiar with Teshigahara's documentary prior to watching this uh so it's not completely out of left field to see him no. do a documentary after watching three narrative films uh but this is the main film on here and there's some other shorts involved here too that we'll we'll end up talking about I'm sure the main film on here though is as pat described in the uh in the introduction uh, 72 minutes of uh, vacation, largely for vacation silent. Covers. Like, there is I very mean, little dialogue. It is 29 like minutes a- in before there's any dialogue whatsoever. And there is probably a total of is,
0: five spoken lines in this film.
1: Yeah. The dialogue 29 minutes in is completely incidental, uh, offers us no greater context to. Like, Doesn't even actually really apply. <laughs> right, right uh then another half hour later uh we get a brief history on uh the uh the cathedral of the sagrada familia um which was his major life work gaudi's major life work uh and then we get a little bit more about so a little more gaudi biography a few yeah, minutes later,
0: very tiny amount.
1: Um, about one of the reasons that the the cathedral, which is still being built, Gotti died in 1926, and the cathedral is still being built. Uh, but one reason it is, uh, it exists in a weird situation because Gaudi's original plans were a model he made, and the Francoist government destroyed the model, so they essentially post-war tried to speculate on what the model might have looked like. right? Um, And like even, I think the current idea is that maybe by 2030, the exterior of the cathedral will be done. Right. Um, Or they were planning for 2026, the, the centennial of his death. Um, and then there's other stuff that's going to push it to 2040 at least before it's actually ready for use, uh, if it ever is actually ready for use. Like it was, it was dedicated by Pope Benedict. So within the last 10 years, it was dedicated as a as an actual church, right? But uh, but I think at this point, it's mostly like Notre Dame. Like it's not. It's going to be a tourist attraction, not an actual like functioning
0: right and and it it very well i mean considering the way the world seems to be moving it really could fall into being like one of those things that just was never finished like right 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 there's also that maybe work is nominally happening on it like there's like
1: a dude there like putting down paving stones or something yeah that particular aspect uh it almost really didn't happen because throughout the mid-20th century uh Gaudi was not well regarded in Spain. I and mean, like work was kind of still happening, but not really. Uh-huh. I mean, and that could happen again.
0: Like that's a thing right. that, like, that. It, it, I mean, that could easily happen again.
1: Right, right. Like, I have no idea what the current status of it is in the last six months. Right, right. Like the announcements of it being done by twenty twenty six were, I think, late last year. So like anything, anything could be happening now. It's twenty twenty. You got to roll the dice, I right. guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> like yeah, literally anything.
0: Uh, yeah, I know. And I, you know, the idea that it's based off a sort of speculation based on his style and stuff is already kind of weird. Because like, do you call yeah. it his cathedral after it's done if it's basically art interpretation where like a bunch of people like rolled in like. Let's do a painting in the style of Picasso. Yeah. Um yeah. You know, it's like well that's not a Picasso work. That's a you work in right. the style of Pica- you know what I mean it's like it's iffy right. whether that counts even anyway.
1: And it's it's an interesting an interesting switch from you know there's been a lot of century long construction projects particularly cathedrals. Well yeah, uh, cathedrals uh, are Europe. notorious right. for
0: taking a century to build, right? Yeah. Um But this one. That's not in the modern era, though, because that's. Right. Having happened in the modern era. Right. This one's interesting. Yeah. The cathedrals in Japan were built. Right, right. Significantly less than 100 years, and that isn't even
1: the modern era. That's the, you know, like the kind of pre modern era. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the people in Japan had a. They're like, oh, we better get this built before they decide to kill all the Christians again. <laughs> so. Well,
0: yeah, well that's true. I mean, that is also part of. It. But what I mean is, like, that's. I mean, you're talking like, even even if you look at, if you look at the ones, all the ones that were built like, in like the you know, uh, you know, early nineteen, you know, the late nineteenth century or whatever, like they were built in a rush. Yeah. Uh, and and or if you like, I mean, all of them, but like even then, you have enough techniques where you're like, oh. We don't have to pay a bunch of people to like haul things up the side of right, a building with right, ropes, right? And like, ho- you know, like because the cathedrals yeah. are notoriously like a community project for like a hundred years because like, dude's got other shit to do, <laughs>
1: right?
0: Right. Like, like, you grow, you can't just you be grow there your wheat day. three
1: days a week. You come cut stone two days right, a week. Right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, this. Uh, what's interesting to me here is that pre-modern era. I don't think. There's the cathedrals weren't like one man's vision, right? And things got modified. Well, they were community projects, yeah. And they were community projects, and they, you know, we could probably figure out who who the designer of like Notre Dame or Westminster Abbey was if we looked at it. It's probably on record. But but those were those were longer projects where the the artistic intent, like like cathedral building, is very fascinating to me because it is it is explicitly a show of power of Christendom, right? It is, it is, we have, we as, as Christians, uh, as Christian rulers have the authority and the finances and the means to get this thing built. Right. And into the modern era where that centralized, Christian power has become more capitalist power as far as the, the powers that be are in, uh, in the West, at least, uh, you know, there's no, the church of England might, might still be building huge cathedrals, but the queen of England is not building huge cathedrals, right? right, right? There's a separation there. And, and yeah, Pope Benedict dedicated this one, uh, but this is Gotti's work, and it's named for the family who hired right. Gotti to do it, right? Which obviously they were spending a hell of a lot of money to do it, but it is theirs. It's not Spain's, right? Uh, even as now it's going to become a, a national or world heritage site, certainly, um, if it's not already. And and some of Gaudi's work is world heritage already. Uh, but yeah, so the whole the whole concept of cathedrals is like oh, you know, I come from a very low church background, like like the right. Anabaptists I come through like, meet in like wood shacks like right with floors they can hide in um, in a lot of their history, so right uh, so like the idea of a huge stone cathedral is already foreign, foreign to me as a necessary thing, but I do, I think this building is beautiful, and and I I recognize the beauty of of large scale stoneworking uh, you know buildings like that. Too. Right. Like, this isn't like mass produced stuff. But another interesting aspect of the Sagrada Familia is that we are to the point where some of it can be like mass produced, like the stones being right. added to the to the Familia today are not hand cut on site. Right. They are. Uh, cut by a computer aided design system, uh, when they come right. out of, come out of the quarry and are shipped. Right. Uh, and I think the quarry right now is, is even in Britain. Like they, they, uh, right. I mean, yeah, their, it would their not their be the sort of project that it was yeah. before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is interesting too because now it's now it's technological, now it's international commerce. Like 1450 you could get stones from maybe as far away as Germany if need be, but you probably weren't getting them across the English Channel. So that's interesting. Right, and even too, if right? you were
0: getting them far away, you probably were, <laughs> that was probably going to be a special feature of the cathedral and not right.
1: the Right. Right.
0: You know, like, you know, it's like, oh, we built this part out of this foreign stone that looks really cool. Right. Not, we built the entire cathedral out of this
1: stuff. Yeah. So I do, stylistically, I guess all of that to say, I do find Gaudy's work interesting. I really do. Yeah, I
0: mean, yeah. I mean, I get it. You know, I have my own opinions about it. I I am not a huge fan. Um, Yeah. It's just my personal opinion. It (laughs) does not bear any weight in the discussion of this thing. I. I it's just not to my taste. Yeah, I I, like, I read like naturalistic. I do not feel like I. Yeah, the only thing it usually reminds me of is those giant termite mounds that you see. <laughs> like I, I don't know. It's just not my style. Like I, I always gravitated more to like brutalism and that sort of stuff. Yeah. That's just who I am. I get that. Uh, the the documentary was interesting in the sense that they did their best. You know, he did his best to highlight the sort of, it did a thing you have to do with Gaudi's work, which is zoom in on individual elements of it because some of it is so intensely. Oh, yeah. Like everything so intertwined so intensely that like if you just look at it as a whole, it's incomprehensible. Like yeah. and, and that's always been my problem is, like you know, you see it from far away. And it's borderline incomprehensible to me. It's just a <laughs> right, weird lumpy right, spire. Right.
1: Um, right. Especially especially like aspects of the cathedral are very like uh uh almost uh oh what's the guy who designed the alien? In Alien. They're almost Geiger. Oh yeah, yeah, Geiger. Yeah, yeah. Ways, they're very right?
0: Geiger. I, I find Gaudi's work, especially that sort of late stage stuff, to be very Geiger esque. And yeah. I it, and, it, and I guess it makes sense because Essentially, what he's done, right, is he's sort of combining his sort of neo Gothic stuff yeah. with naturalistic stuff with like smooth lines. And guess what you get? You get Gothic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh, what's a Gothic natural looking thing? <laughs> ah, yes, an alien from Alien.
1: <laughs> right. Right. Um, which, interestingly enough, uh, oh, what cathedral is it? That was another century long build, but it was actually finished in the late 20th century that has like an alien. Uh, 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 gargoyle on it, and like a Darth Vader oh. gargoyle. Can,
0: oh yeah, I've I've seen pictures
1: of that. Yeah, they're always presented as uh, like they are occasionally presented as uh some sort of weird proof that that the alien from Aliens is real. <laughs> oh right, yeah, like, yeah. Like somebody really really misunderstanding the time frame. <laughs> yeah. Um
0: Well, it's like you see like cathedral, like, ah, oh, this must be hundreds yeah. and hundreds of years old. And it's like Yeah.
1: Well, actually this one was finished in
0: nineteen sixty. Well
1: well, the alien one's actually on Paisley Abbey, which is a thirteenth century uh and
0: then somebody renovated it but and put a was, bunch of weird a, it stuff. It was a nineties
1: renovation. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean I mean, you know, six of one having the other, right? Like you, yeah. you, you renovate the, I mean, these things all have to be renovated so often that like you you get into like at what point of what was the old debate like the sort of like if you have the if you have the axe of your father or whatever and you've yeah. replaced the blade and you've replaced the handle <laughs> is the axe of your father kind of thing right like yeah. is always the thing right like
1: yeah. yeah um i find i find the documentary interesting in that in in not being didactic in telling us what we need to be focusing on here and seeing, you know, we get the close inlays and it's very much like, uh, like the woodwork, the, the wood carving artist, uh, the, did the wave, um, that the, the shorter documentary we watched the la- on oh, the last set of Tasha or stuff. I don't remember. Um, uh, <laughs> you can't make me remember. It's I'm impossible. Gonna, I'm going to make you remember. no, no. All we need to do is look at Teshigahara's work, Hokusai.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, you're yeah. talking about the woodblock. Okay, I was yeah. Like, yeah. I didn't. I had forgotten that. Uh, that that was a thing on the. Right. I was like, you're like I. You meant the wave as in like the actual woodblock yeah. print, the wave. I thought <laughs> like, like I was like imagining like, cause like this is so for like his father's sculptures in the sun. Yeah. Where it's like they resemble waves. Yeah, I was like, no, oh, no, okay. Well, meant, you must
1: be talking about something I don't remember. It's like yeah, I meant okay. that more straightforwardly. Um, okay. But, yeah, it's it's very reminiscent of that Hokusai documentary, I think, because we're just like pans over the work, and it's yeah, largely Yeah, I mean, there's definitely more silent.
0: words in the, uh, the Hokusai one. There are more words than, in the Hokusai one, and, one it's and it's one
1: a 20-minute was... documentary, right? <laughs> um,
0: like, uh, this one is
1: not, yeah. this is no words. But an interesting thing this does, then, is show us around Barcelona and shows us those weird rocks outside of Barcelona and right. shows us the Moorish influence on some architecture that that's, you know, centuries old in Barcelona and then shows us Gotti's work and where it's inspired by that sort of thing, uh, where he is synthesizing those ideas together. And that's interesting where it's less interesting is, you know, one of the bonus features is a 19 minute, uh, travel log documentary, completely actually silent, of when Teshigahara was traveling with his father and visited the same uh, Barcelona in and, well, 1959.
0: One, it is almost identical,
1: and this is literally just an extended version of that, except that Dolly's not in this one. So, right, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's well, yeah, I mean that's the thing, right? Is
0: like. What what kind of in the end sort of bothers me about this entire work? If I had to be, if I had to pick something that bothers me, which nothing really yeah. bothers me about this work. Like, if you are like, oh, give me a good uh, like uh, Gaudi visual, like a documentary of Gaudi's work, I'd be like, yeah, this is a perfect choice, totally. Yeah, show this to art students; they'll be great. It'll be fantastic. Like, let them sit in a room and watch this. Um, my issue is that, like, it really does seem like. Teshigahara's Tashigahara's involvement in this based on the other documentary where they the other short where they interview his friend. Uh-huh. Is very much of a moment in time that is very I don't know I'm it's very trendy. It's kinda like he made a documentary based on like a really popular trend in the eighties in Japan that like only lasted a few it's like it's sort of such a a beast out of time. In many ways, if that makes sense, like it's like, I I've not ever seen anything that like really approaches. It, it like like, I get the impression this was a very short time period, and, and so in that piece, in that way, it's sort of almost a weird time capsule, dedicated to a very very brief period of artistic expression in Japan in the eighties, yeah. which is really interesting to me, like. I don't know. It was a lot of like that documentary, that interview with his friend mm-hmm. was the most enlightening thing on this yeah. TV, like by
1: far for me. Yeah. About so like, the, what made him make this? The essay gets into that too, in a, in in an interesting way, and and maybe maybe it's a, di- a slightly different take, but but maybe not. Um, because the friend talks about you know meeting in college and and getting together in you know politically and and ideas of uh ideas of art uh surpassing uh sort of uh what's the word i'm looking for you know I, I no like the ability to combine art forms into a into a cohesive thing, right, and not being not being pigeonholed into one art form, right, uh, and uh, you know it's they talk about how Gaudi took away from that a displeasure in making his art political which is weird because they're talking about this happening in the 50s and then we watch right. those narrative films from 63 where he's adapting the Abe novels and, like, Womb of the Dunes is an overtly political film. There's no getting around oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> there's, uh, there's
0: no... You could never look at that and be like, ah, oh, thank yeah. God, a piece of work that has no political
1: motivations whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's... Um, so... He talks about you know traveling in '59 and seeing uh, seeing all these things that we watch in the 60 millimeter short, um, and it Gaudy's work making him realize that the lines between arts are insignificant. Gaudy worked beyond the borders of various art and made me feel that the world in which I was living still left a great many possibilities. Uh, And then the the article goes on to to say, quote, having been distracted in his youth by political questions and debates and ideas of, quote, revolution, he meant to impress upon the next generation the importance of artistic life on its own terms. In the course of his hectic managerial life, he himself was drawn even more certainly into a condition of being a total work-of-art worker something that greatly broadened his views when he became a future filmmaker. And that's, it's interesting because the essay is trying to sort of separate the idea of total work of art filmmaker. Um, as, as, you know, no distinction between genres um, and trying to separate that from a political aspect of that. But like, to me there is, there's no separation there. If you're being a total work of art worker, it's going to be by its nature political, right? Yeah. I mean,
0: it's, it's buying it. Like, I don't know when, what period exactly that's talking about, but there's been this like pretty long running conceit in sort of modern, like probably in the last 50 years of this idea that you can make art without making a political statement that like, that's a possible, that's like a thing that's possible. Um, and, and we know it's not like we you can't. It, it's it's like saying, "Well, I'm bias-free." Like, what are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, right. It's like you're no, you can't. Like, I mean, yeah, maybe like it's really low level. Maybe you it's just something that's subconscious to you. Uh, that's fine. Like, it doesn't have to be a, an overt. But like, yeah,
1: you can't now, do it. Now, the author of the essay, who's a an art historian, um sort of bases, I think, this interpretation on a quote he has later in the essay. She writes that uh, when Teshigahara was getting his documentary start, he worked with a filmmaker named Fumio Kamai, um, or kami uh, and they were making explicitly social and political documentaries on life in Japan, uh, which Teshigahara called a leftist point of view, and writes in whatever our author is quoting that Kamiyae was perhaps too concerned with conveying his feelings. Eventually he bypassed contradictions, bypassed brutal truths, the darker side of issues where contradictions occur. And I understand the writer's interpretation of that, but at the same time, I don't think that means Teshigahara is sort of limiting the political impact of his work but recognizing that he's not limiting the the political implication of his work right he wants he wants it to exist in the real world with all the real world's contradictions of the politics of what's going on and i think we really do see that aspect of things in uh even uh woman of the dunes but but I think maybe it did get frustrating with, like, uh, the face of another, I think, is also right. coming yeah, at yeah, politics yeah. from we, that we, way. We
0: had some, yeah, we had some issues with that. Like, yeah, I mean, it does sound—it's really hard to tell from, like—it it, it does feel like some of this is all written in a way that— really was taking a lot of liberties with interpreting what he what he said right, and stuff, right. stuff like that like i mean my my thought my point to it was not so much in my in my thought process was not so much that it's um that he was trying to be apolitical or anything with something like this it's just that like he it, it really a, an obsession like okay like this is going to get really weirdly deep into this, i think it's not uncommon for like in in my experience and this is just my experience in Japan every so often there'll be these waves of like f- there's just there's just fads where like everybody's super into a thing for a while and it like sort of takes the nation by storm and for a while like all the art that's made is kind of like this way or like everybody's eating this kind of food for a while like and like it does kind of feel like I don't see an obsession with Gaudi play out in anything I see around me in the modern era, yeah. Like in now, like now Japan, like I don't walk down the street and say, "Ah, yes, that was influenced by Gaudi." Like it doesn't feel right. that way, which tells me, in my mind, that that wave was very short. Yeah, because like he made the guy in the in the sort of the the, the friend interview. Talks about it was it was tied with a, a re-obsession with Jomon pottery yeah. styles, which is a whole another thing. Like it's a whole another thing. I I have my issues with that. That that is this. It always takes on this weird sort of nationalistic bent after a little while because it's like, oh, we've been here for tens of thousands of years, but then the Jomon people were maybe wiped out by settlers from Korea, or maybe we're just. It's complicated. Um, maybe they weren't, maybe they just all interbred, but there's only about 10% DNA of Jomon people probably in modern Japanese people, which gives you a lot of information about. But it's this weird obsession that happens sometimes. Every so often it becomes a big thing where like, like, oh yeah, this is the this beautiful Jomon pottery. But you very rarely actually see it play out in the long term. Like nobody walks around with pottery that's styled after Jomon pottery. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like nobody has cups in their cabinet. Right, That are like Jomon pottery style cups. How would you? You know what I mean? Like, like... <laughs> well, I mean, you could. I mean, you could. You could. You could adopt that style and be like, yeah, this is a thing we do now. We're all really into it. Like, we're gonna sort of. Uh, I mean, I don't know. We love drinking out of things
1: without a solid rim. <laughs> it's right. Well, really yeah, where I'm going yeah, out. Um,
0: but yeah. I mean, like, you could you could replicate the pattern, the sort of rope patterning on the side, and then and, and that's a thing. I mean, you do see that occasionally. But my my point is like. I don't see any Gaudi style buildings. Yeah. In Tokyo. Like anywhere in Japan. Like Japan has sort of developed a sort of like pretty monolithic art like architectural style for its like large scale building projects. Right. Um they're they're not they're it's not the same as the one in the United States. None of the they don't typically look like somebody just took a bunch of Lego blocks and stacked them in weird directions on top of each other. That's not a <laughs> that's not a thing. But
1: um mid-sized high-rises in in the United States literally look like four buildings shoved together always. Yeah, somebody just like that dropped some just, buildings on top yeah. of other buildings and like yeah. yep
0: we're done uh, anyway and so like and i and it's not like it's not that it's bad that he like this was like a trend that he you know was a part of or anything like that it's just interesting to me because like it's a, this is a documentary about a thing that doesn't appear to have had any long-term impact yeah on on society as a whole. Like I, I don't see Jomon style stuff around. You don't you don't like you can't like it's not a thing that's played up except for very rarely sometimes somebody will start talking about it out of no like it'll be like some thing they start talking about. But like you don't see like you don't go to like you know you don't visit a store the souvenir store in Japan like Tokyo and like see like oh yes here's our Jomon pottery souvenir area like snow because it doesn't come up and like you don't see buildings that look Gaudi esque you just, you just yeah. don't um yeah the closest thing i would say is that i've ever seen that does approach this is comes from a different direction it comes from the opposite end a popular woodworking style in japan that i've encountered in numerous places um is similar to the ones you see in in california a lot Working with like uh, I forget what they're called the the parts of like redwood trees that just fall off. Mm-hmm. I forget the burrs, where yeah, like wood- so. yeah, they're like yeah they like they just fall off or whatever, and the woodwork them to try and stick with the grain of the wood to like so you get these really weird shaped bowls and boxes and stuff because it's like well this is the shape of the wood so this is what you get. You'll yeah. encounter in Japan like benches and like things where a where a person who is a probably a master woodworker decided to turn this log into a bench or whatever and was like i'm going to do whatever this wood tells me to do and you get like a real live edge sort of style but it's actually like the whole bench looks like that or something like that he's like well that's the but then that's the opposite direction right it's not replicating naturalistic like shapes like something like Gaudí's work would be that's like oh this is following the grain of the wood or the grain of the marble right which just produces whatever it produces right but it's the closest thing i've ever seen that like actually looks that way to me i don't know it's yeah. it's just me I'm, I'm i'm an uninformed source with regards to this it's just personal observation
1: right right that's an interesting aspect of Gaudí is that he obviously incorporated new and innovative designs and was having fun with what he was doing. And I appreciate an architect having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that's, you know, so often my experience with architecture, it's hard to see creativity in it for me. Um, obviously with, with, uh, with moreover, uh, like sculpture, easy. right, even architects getting into sculpture, yeah, and brutalist sculpture too. But you know, I'm not seeing innovative, fun architecture in the buildings I see being built in Columbus, Ohio. Well, certainly.
0: right, because right. yeah, because it's they're large scale building projects, and for the most part, people don't want to invest in art, large scale right. building projects that are also experimental. Right, right, right. Like that's just that. That seems like a bridge too far for most, like yeah. investors. Right, and and that, and that. I mean, that in and of itself is a sort of indictment of the way buildings get built. Right, like it's like right, it's like well, we built this. Like I don't want to waste my money, air quotes, on making this look really new and interesting. I just want it to be. Like, you know, what I mean, I just want it made. And I yeah. wanted to be. I wanted to do the thing I wanted to do. I will say that I do have a, a a a. They don't fit into Gaudi work at all, but I do have a love of like, in the during the big economic boom in Japan, the Japanese government built a lot of public projects, like a lot of them, to the point where it seems sort of like money was just flying around everywhere, and the shapes of some of those things are fucking wild. Like I'm talking just like rando people, like like in a random small town. You'll see a like, a like a like a like a sports hall or like a or a, like a city building that's like really bad shape now because it's been standing for 50, 60 years now. Right. But that is like, who let somebody build that? <laughs> right, like, right. what, what, what bureaucrat was like, yeah, this seems fine, rubber stamp, go. And that's, I've got to, I got to get 7,000 of these built this year. Yeah. So whatever you got, go.
1: And that's where God is super interesting to me in that, you know, building a sacred space, that creativity is embraced largely, right? Some more overtly than others, but look at churches and temples all over the world, and you're going to see uh, often bright colors or or weird angles or interesting designs because it is an act of worship to build it, Right and and the act of worship it's it's it embraces the creativity of that right uh but Gaudi's doing it for like apartment buildings too right <laughs> so, right and it's and you start to wonder
0: like somebody was like yes please yeah that's it right there like what what where are they going to hang their pictures none of these walls are straight <laughs> fuck it doesn't matter <laughs> build it yeah and, uh, I I feel like to a certain extent, Gaudi. Like when you look at it the later, like the later stuff, where it's like, oh, you've got concrete, huh? Don't you? <laughs> like things changed a lot when you like when steel reinforced concrete became a big deal. Yeah, because like shit got pretty wild. It's like, what do you mean straight lines? I don't, I don't understand. What like? My my biggest like so the parts of his work that I actually like is where it's sort of a hybrid of those where there's clearly like traditional building techniques using like concrete to like augment the shape and actually create like a yeah a, a smooth angle. Uh I find that very fascinating, but like it's like whoa, man, as soon as you got steel reinforced concrete, you went to town.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, like, and- I
0: could do anything now. And there's things... Yeah, this is a building. It looks like a screaming face. Fine. Cool. Yeah.
1: Okay. And I also think about, you know, I, I ran across on Twitter uh, a few weeks ago uh, designs in Bolivia by the architect uh, Freddie Mamani, um, mm-hmm. and he incorporates design elements and and particularly color motifs uh, from indigenous culture, Um and they're incredibly fascinating and interesting to look at, but for the most part, they're facades, right? right. They are. They are normally functional buildings with with interesting design work. Gotti's not even necessarily building a normally functional building, um, right? Not not to the Frank Lloyd Wright extent of building a house that maybe you can't live in, actually, right? But, yeah, but maybe close in some ways, right? Like that that building with the with the waved roof, yeah, where it's where it's the series of of arches, and then, uh, and then on the opposite side, the the opposite, like like, uh, the mathematically opposite arc, <laughs> um, yeah. So that the the roof one, I something like that would have to be very very carefully built to not retain water in the middle, right? Right, so, absolutely. So there's the math involved with that, at least. Um, but also, it's interesting to look at. And it also, like, seems to be built out of brick. Like, which was... Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess there's a chance it was a weird-looking slate, but but it really just looked like actual, like, laid brick. um, And it's fascinating. And, you know, they talked about... Um, I guess they didn't overtly talk about anything, but one thing we see with Gotti's work is that he uses uh, broken pottery mixed into his like concrete works, yeah. and and where that gets interesting, and, and the the mosaic of that, um, and a few of a few of the pieces, you know, especially the way they're presented, like particularly, uh, I think of the doorway on the first building we enter, and the the dragon faced gate. That we go through later, those are incredibly breathtaking pieces. Um. I yeah I I had to stop for a second to absorb all of that, uh, mm. and found them very interesting. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know if this functions as a documentary more than it functions as a travel log of someone looking back after his father had died on an emotional trip he had with his father that was life-changing for him and his dad. Right. Absolutely. Uh, But it really feels mostly nostalgic more than informative. And like, maybe I don't mean to, I don't mean to say that that is bad. Like, Tish is welcome to make whatever movie he wants to make, right? Right. Uh but it's maybe not interesting for me to watch. Uh yeah, I
0: mean it it has the same problem that all let me show you my pictures from my trip <laughs> right, have, right. which is like this is a deeply meaningful thing for you. Yeah. It is noticeably less deeply meaningful for us. Like, is this a well shot video yeah but like it doesn't feel like more it doesn't feel that much more competent than like a really well shot like travel video that like someone else would make you know what i mean like it doesn't not to like like say that he did a bad job but like it doesn't feel nothing about this feels yeah really like that New or interesting? It's like, well, here's some video of all these interesting places where that I went with my dad, yeah. and it really affected my dad's art. It was really important to him. My dad, who ran an ikebana school, that as far as I can tell, maybe maybe just spent all of his time making sculptures. I'm really unclear where that line is. Personally. I love his dad's art. The documentary no, on no, his dad's fine. art, yeah,
1: it's good. It's- he shoots he shoots his dad's art with such a more tender eye. I feel well, like his that he even like, shoots even Gaudi's art.
0: Well, that right? my issue partly is that like part of shooting his dad's work, there's a lot of like dramatic emphasis using music and stuff that really and lighting that plays up his dad's art that the Gaudi stuff just lacks. Yeah. Like the Gaudi stuff is pretty much like feels like the same piano piece for seventy two minutes. It's just sort of like <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's there's hits and stuff in it, but it's like pretty like okay. Like I'm gonna run you through all the important Gaudi buildings starting now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, an aspect that I think is innovative to this documentary, but maybe doesn't work for me is, you know, what I talked about already with Gaudi showing us, or uh, with Teshigahara rather, showing us Gaudi's influences and then showing those influences show up in the work. That's great. And he does it well but I feel like I need a program guide.
0: Yeah, that's true. I agree. Throughout like, the whole you thing. You don't have anything to help you through it. You have to, it sort of assumes that you're already super into this stuff. Yeah. Even like, just oh, information. yeah, I all these things.
1: Because we, we look at some other works by other contemporaries, right? So even even just a little pop-up thing that tells that me when like, I'm looking at, looking at what Gaudy's yeah. <laughs> something that Gotti yeah. did or when i'm looking at something else or i don't even yeah, necessarily totally. need a why am i looking at this something else you just need like you you need you like, need like the vh1 yeah. like. right visually i can <laughs> like, understand i can understand visually and 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 to, to Gahara's credit i understand visually why i am seeing things right
0: yeah pretty much yeah i mean
1: but sometimes i, I, I really just need yeah. to know what i'm seeing <laughs>
0: Right, I agree. Like, I mean, it does suffer from the issue of, like, you're like, okay, yeah, I mean, I can see, I mean, partially because, like, Gaudi just seems to wear what influences he has, like, on his sleeve. Like, like oh, yeah, this thing is, like, this thing, like, but different. Yeah. it's Which is, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that you can, like, yes, this does resemble, like, that period of architecture. But, like, I need you to double check with me that, like, I know that that's not the tr- the the old one. You know what I mean? It's like that's the right. Gaudi piece and not this other guy's work. Yeah. Um. Again, it assumes you already know or that you have somebody to like walk you through it. I don't know how you would play this. You and I are coming in as though we walked into a theater to see the Antonio Gaudi film. Sat down and we're like, all right, show it to me. And then it's like, well, okay, I don't feel like maybe I need like Maybe this is you want to show me this in an architecture class and I need a teacher there to like point out like, oh, this is this thing, okay? Please pay attention no. to
1: it or whatever. Like what this feels that. like to me is a ballet or an opera where I don't have the program. Right. Right. Okay. I can I can admire what's happening artistically. I can even get a feel for uh, the waves of emotion that the interconnectedness of these pieces want me to feel right, but I still have no idea what's actually going on <laughs>
0: so, right yeah, totally, no, I know what right. you're saying, yeah, absolutely, like i yeah, I felt the same way i I mean and it and it kept tempting me to like pop open the internet and be like, okay, like I'm gonna start following along so I can at least know what's going on. I was right. like no no, well, That's going to ruin this. Like, I mean, it won't ruin it because I'll actually know what's going on. But, like, suddenly I'm paying attention more to the internet than I am to what I'm being shown. Yeah. Like, clearly, if Teshigahara wanted me to know what was going on, he would have put something on the fucking screen. Yeah. Or said something.
1: Yeah. Uh, to what? that regard, um, Teshigahara definitely was heavily influenced by Louis Buniel, Uh But I actually feel uh punel's milky way a lot in this movie in okay. that in that i just have no idea what's going on or why i'm saying right, anything okay. I'm saying, right? yeah like like yeah, I mean, like milky way was another movie where uh you know even at the premiere of the milky way they actually provided the program notes to tell right, the right. wikipedia to let people have the wikipedia right. open while they watched the movie right so Right.
0: And then what this feels like to me that what makes this feel even more like somebody's vacation photos is when somebody's showing you their vacation photos, they're talking to you about those vacation photos right. while they're showing you. Oh, this is where we went to this place, we went to this thing, we did this thing. Like, did Teshikahara expect that he was gonna be in the room with everybody who watched <laughs> this movie? And be like, Oh yeah, this is when we went to this place. It was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, dad got diarrhea I mean, it's like I mean, it's like—is that what he thought was going to happen when he showed this movie? Like, maybe, like, maybe we really have stumbled onto a thing that was like literally only meant to do like a short run in like a Tokyo theater with Toshigahara sitting there talking people through it.
1: Right, right.
0: That would not shock me at all because if you are talking about sort of avant-garde art and sort of like and getting into pieces that are essentially. It's almost a movie as installation art or something like that. Yeah. Like, which, I mean, he has, that's a thing he could do, right? Like, he has a place that his family runs that is, like, essentially an art studio.
1: Right. He has a place
0: where he could just show this to anybody, anytime, and talk them through it. Which I suspect is probably what happened.
1: And he utilizes that space for those sorts of things. since Since he was a kid, right? Since he was a teenager. So... So, yeah, no. so I kind of wonder if
0: the, if we are just viewing this so intensely out of time and place. Yeah. that it stops making sense without right. that context. Yeah. I I really do. Because like he had that. We know he used it, we know his dad used it. We know that we know that the whole part of what he was talking about there uh, well I guess what the the other interviewee was talking about is the idea that you they believed as a f- sort of family that the only way to keep these kind of like lineage based schools going was to constantly innovate, yeah, and like do different things that are interesting that keeps like making people interested in their in their um in their um their school and their craft, which like this would fit into that, right It's like, yeah, wanna know why all these sculptures in our garden look like this here watch this documentary I made. Yeah, where? On, oh, yeah, no, it doesn't have any words. I'll be the words. Thank you very yeah. much. And it's also about dad's influence too, right? You right, know, exactly. We, me, and dad had the same influence. <laughs> We've taken that in different directions, but they're still the same thing. We got a oh, part of it comes from this trip we took together, yeah. which I've recreated
1: in this film that I'm now going to show you. Yeah, and the trip, the trip was wider than just Barcelona too. They went to New York. They met with like right. Warhol in New York and Dolly and. Uh, Yeah. Um is that timing right? Warhol in New York in fifty nine? I don't know. I
0: don't even know. I don't have a world timing thing. I'm I I have no idea when anything happened anywhere.
1: I mean he was definitely definitively. He was was definitely alive, but commercial and advertising art starting in the late forties, into the fifties. his 60s he began exhibiting his work during the 50s all right so maybe i don't know if he actually met with warhol or not but he met with the avant-garde of new york uh right movie again and i think warhol's warhol's more famous stuff is late 60s so it probably doesn't even work out really but they met with dolly too you know in 59 which is the uh the essay also mentions you know about utilizing that school space you know they they talk about Teshigahara taking over the uh, auditorium at the school uh and inviting john cage and robert Rushenberg and mercy cunningham and yoko ono and staging early botu theater dance productions uh so like he's he's interested in those ideas and it's it is interesting to me how much the article wants to suggest that uh, artistic revolution is separate from political revolution. I know I, I started off right. talking about that, but it really it really gets to me because Cage and Yoko Ono, at least those are overtly political works too, right? <laughs> what right. they're doing, what they're doing, aren't just avant garde for the sake of avant garde. Um, and you know, I I I come at this as someone who performs avant-garde work that started off as avant-garde for the sake of avant-garde, and realized that, you know, eventually started to realize that that what I was doing was inherently political. So I might as well lean into the politics of it, right? Right. <laughs>
0: so. I mean, yeah. I mean, and and I I like I said, I, I we were kind of going to go there a while back, but like there is a certain Voice is gonna this sentence is going to be very hard to form there I feel like especially during a very a pretty vast time period stretching on sort of from the collapse of really like oh, like those really overtly artistic movements of through, through to the early 70s until pretty pretty recently this is just my feeling there there is a conceit among the people who are in art was conceit among people who were in art, even those doing a lot uh, those, a lot of those doing avant garde art who were in spaces where they were personally secure, mm-hmm. uh, that like they could, that like politics was a weird sort of like hindrance to their ability to do art rather than in theory, the place that their art comes from. Right and and i think that to a certain extent comes from a place of of personal safety right like like oh i'm i'm not political i just make this this art it's it's very edgy and avant-garde it is not doesn't you know i'm going going to shoot really mean anything
1: i'm going to shoot from the hip yeah. here for a second and i i really think that uh in in talking like that uh i think it might be I see that in Yoko Ono's collaborations. Yeah, absolutely.
0: 100%. Where, yes.
1: Where both of them are worse off for the comfort they have as a couple, right? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Totally.
0: Um like it it is a I mean, I don't I don't know a lot about Yoko Ono like personally. Uh like yeah. I've not done a lot of paying attention, but like my impression is there was a lot of sort of especially, you know, like later on, like, you know, it's it's hard to say, right? Because by being a Japanese woman, she was already in a position where her existence was less secure than a lot mm-hmm. of other people's existence. Right. Um, but then as you pointed out, like that collaboration lends the ability to just sort of do stuff that may be doesn't have the desperation associated with uh right
1: right and i I, and i think specifically of of like their collaborative collaborative works like like the living the hotel stuff like right maybe maybe in its political and, and time temporal context it would make more sense to me and and i might talk about this differently but but i feel like both of them were doing more interesting things when they were apart than when they right. <laughs> when they were together yeah. <laughs> maybe music. yeah i too. i
0: i think so. that's probably i do yeah. i also generally feel that that's true i mean it's it is which is the but also what i have to mentally avoid is the idea that like oh well the only arv, the only good artist is a starving desperate artist
1: right right i right.
0: don't think that that's something like that is true but i think that like that 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 does, to a certain extent, allow people to get into that position in a way that is not positive, right? Like, it doesn't mean that, like, you have to be in a bad position, but, like, it does allow you to be like, well, I'm just making art. It's just for fun. I'm just doing it. And, like, which, you know, I mean, it's good that your art is fun. But, like, I don't think that that thing is actually possible for it to not be political that we just we don't believe that's possible
1: right you can say
0: it's not but you can't actually make that happen right
1: right and you know i think one thing we can say about the history of lost and criterion is we are much more appreciative of the creators who realize that and embrace it rather than try to work around it or ignore it and you well
0: know. yeah totally and a lot of the ones that try to work around it or it tend to be the ones that are really like don't seem that interesting really right like it's just like right. well yeah whatever awesome gangster movie good job <laughs> yeah yeah
1: it was fine <laughs> but yeah um yeah it's I, guess I say i was engaged watching this no,
0: but I was often
1: distracted watching this by my desire for more information and context totally. about what I was absolutely. saying.
0: absolutely. Same here, absolutely. Uh, the, the, as, a, as a standalone documentary, I would argue that this might kind of be a failure. Yeah. Just because, like, uh, Like, what am I... Like, <laughs> right. if your goal is to just show me pretty things... Sure, it worked. I'll give you an 80%. Yeah. <laughs> Because I don't like I don't like some of Gaudi's work. Yeah. Uh, not I don't dislike all of it, but I don't like some of it. Um, uh, but like, if your goal was to do something, I guess, I guess that's the the statement is by removing yeah. all of the something.
1: I really that's f- what you're saying. I really feel like in so many ways this is Teshigahara. Um. Well, this came out in 84 so he's in his 60s i think he's getting nostalgic you know his father's passed absolutely um
0: he's now in charge of the school yeah, like uh, the whole has
1: foundation been, has been for a while but still yeah. and he's he's making you know another major work and this is kind of the first thing he's done uh, he directed a couple of like TV films and uh and episodes of uh Satoichi uh through the seventies. Um but but it seems like maybe he's he's wanting to get back into more substantial art at this point. But he's also uh, you know, like like a lot of men in their late fifties <laughs> through their sixties, looking at his past and looking at his family uh, familial past. And this really is just an extended remake of right. the home movies he made with his dad on their trip in 59, like beat for beat. It really is. Yeah. With the exception yeah, of is. Dolly not being in it, yeah. <laughs> but they start off with the same, uh, folk dancing and street scenes and establishment of Barcelona views. And then we get into the bulk of the work. Right. So, yeah. So, yeah, like I understand it psychologically, you know, at least I have, you know, it's conjuncture and conjecture. Sure. But I, I have an understanding of why he made it, but I don't have an understanding of why I should watch it.
0: So, right. Absolutely. And I think that's where we're, we're probably hitting the real struggle point for this is like, Okay, Criterion, why? Yeah, like, what was the specific merit? Right, and like, of course, we like as far as I can tell, the 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 Criterion collection is based on
1: a dartboard that just happens to not have right. any women on it. Um, as an example of Teshigahara's Gahara's work, <laughs> it's an interesting counterpoint to his fiction work from the sixties. It really is, right? But then put
0: bundle it into that yeah.
1: box set as like
0: a. I mean, I think that's what the uh, the, the the short films. I, the short songs Film on that box set
1: always, already, yeah, already achieved were that, that. they were that yeah.
0: thing. It's like they somehow well, and you know, I guess it's important to understand the Criterion Collection. I guess temporally, right? Like, yeah, now they have access to this thing that they didn't have access to, and that's that's very two hundred spine numbers before. though it's not that very many possible before. Yeah. It's like a hundred or whatever, but like, and like, we still want to show it to you. Maybe we wanted to show it to you then. We can't, we couldn't. So here yeah. it is now. Fine. So if we take it sort of more holistically, yes, it's a counterpoint to those things. But like, I would argue that like the short films on that thing on that box set were good enough. They did right. that thing. This doesn't add anything to my under. I mean, the 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 short films on this add. I stand by the idea that the short films on this add far more to my understanding of um Tetsugawa you know, than. Did this long thing that yeah. we watched. Like, I, think I now understand him so much better,
1: and even even the 1959 version of this, I understand. Yeah. I understand yeah. him and his relationship with his father in a different light than I had understood before, right? right? right. Uh, because this is, and and maybe that's what this is as as a major work. You know, we got a feeling from some of you know the earlier stuff, the read we had on Teshigahari, that was it was maybe he was kind of. Uh, kind of uh, annoyed that he inherited the school that that wasn't something he necessarily wanted, right right and and here and and maybe it's age, he is sort of embracing that idea more. But I don't know that that yeah. read was ever accurate because he never stops making documentaries about his dad's work, right? right. Absolutely. <laughs> We've got two yeah. examples of stuff explicitly about the school and his dad uh, from from other time periods, right. And it's not it is definitely not shot in a way that suggests his dad forced him to make these things. Right. These no, are well, lovingly made. Especially not this
0: one, yeah. Right. And the other one the other one was so Well, the back half I of mean, the
1: other one was the same thing that we're seeing here. Loving True, true. Loving <laughs> not right, necessarily at, his dad's work, sometimes work of other artists within the school. But
0: I, I, I just felt in the previous yeah. one that like there was a certain sort of like I'm not like I had a sort of Tokyo Olympiad feel to it. Yeah. Yeah. And that was maybe our misinterpretation. Like, oh no, like his dad seeing his dad's work mo- in more detail now and understanding where his dad comes from it's like, no, dad was probably cool with this. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Like, with with the, with what he made there, the like, sort of tongue-in-cheekness he Tokyo Olympiad at some at his of it. dad. Yeah. yeah. You know, his dad no, was I probably like, ah, it's it's not avant-garde enough. <laughs> right. More. Right.
1: <laughs> shove something else in there, please. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, but like, you know, it's, it. that was the impression that that gave us. And so this, yeah. I guess, gives us more clarity on that. But like, even then, the long form piece in this was not necessary to get that information across. Right, right, right. Yeah.
1: So, you know, maybe putting out the long form as an excuse to give us that other shorter stuff.
0: Maybe. And like the DVD oh, so has I even sub-
1: more stuff that we didn't watch. Like oh, another documentary on Gotti. Um, <laughs> and, uh,
0: I suspect also, though maybe they they thought we want to cover this man's career, yeah, and this is what the like the end had, like this is what the end was. I don't know, but like it's possible, right? That that's just the they wanted to show the sort of like progression of an artist and like towards the end of his sort of. I don't know if that's the end of his filmmaking career. It's not. Yeah, like not really. Yeah. Uh, or maybe they just want to show the 80s. Well, I mean, like, you know, the 80s did not have a lot in it through to the, like, I mean, by the 90s, he's done. So this is pretty close to the end.
1: Right, right. He's so, not ma- I mean, He's not making a lot of other work. Aside from this, so and,
0: uh, yeah, so I mean, maybe as a sort of like, and then this was like, this is where it went. This is how it wrapped up. Here is a loving visual essay, yeah, on Um uh,
1: The his next work in nineteen eighty nine is a uh, two hour and fifteen minute. Is it a documentary? I don't even know if it's a documentary, but it's uh, about... No, it doesn't... It, it's uh, about a Japanese tea ceremony.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, we, we'll, uh, we may end up watching this someday. This is crazy. Yeah. Um, it seems like it's a... It seems like a um. drama.
1: Yeah. Uh
0: boy if it digs into uh Oda Nobunaga's uh sort of weird insanity surrounding tea ceremony and like how how much how crazy it was yeah it would be really interesting i doubt it does
1: and then in 1992 uh, he made a follow up to that about princess go uh who is uh associated with uh that same guys successor right and it's also two hours and 20 minutes long so right like he made two long and ornate movies about tea ceremony so yeah um i won't listen he is not a disinteresting guy so no like and i already knew that about him certainly so so yeah i appreciate the slight moreness fuller picture I have of who Teshigahara was certainly. But yeah, Gotti, I like Gaudi's work. I do. Uh, and it was interesting to look at, but it was not interesting enough. And again, it was like flipping through a picture book of Gaudi's architecture in so many ways. Right. (laughs) It just, it didn't even provide the context that such a book would. Right. It is a visual form of a coffee table book that is literally just pictures with no credits. Um, Full page. Yeah. Uh, Right. We've been talking about Antonio Gotti, a documentary from 1984 directed by Hiroshi Teshigahara. Next week, uh, we will, of course, be switching streams because how could we not, coming from a documentary about an architect. Uh, But... uh, But it'll be an interesting jump. We'll be watching 1997's The Ice Storm, directed by Ang Lee. Uh, Okay. Yeah. Starring Kevin Kline and Tobey Maguire and Christina Ritchie and Elijah Wood and Katie Holmes. What a a tone shift. Wow. About two waspy families having breakdowns during Thanksgiving, basically. Um.
0: Well, I'm always a fan of thanksgiving breakdown so we'll see what happens oh
1: i don't i don't think it's a comedy so there's
0: that (laughs) but i mean they're never funny not really
1: uh Uh, but yeah uh so do look forward to that um yeah thank you once again for listening to lost in criteria and i am as always the adam glass with me as always john patrick or dorgan and we'll see you next Mm. time Hosted by John Patrick O'Hitari-Dorgan and The Adam Class, who edits it. We're a production of WithTwoBrains.com. Jonathan Hape does the music. Check him out at JonathanHape.bandcamp.com. And hey, if you like us, why don't you give us a review on iTunes, like us on Facebook, or support us on Patreon. That's Patreon.com slash Lost in Criterion. We'd appreciate it.